Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. What is going on, everybody? May 3rd, 2021, the draft is officially over. And now we move to OTAs? Uh, I watched a lot of press conferences this weekend, bits and pieces of a lot of teams. Every coach, every general manager mentioned OTAs like they were happening. Clearly, the union does not agree that that's going to be a story to definitely watch over this next, I don't know, two or three weeks to see how that kind of unfolds. But we're, we're going to dive in to everything that's actually happening right now that we know about. Some thoughts just on the overall draft. Some other things that I picked up, just some nuggets from just different teams, things that were said. Uh, and then just some overall draft thoughts. You know, after taking inventory, just some specific stories. Uh, and we'll we'll dive in that way. If you listen on Colin's feed, I'd appreciate if you go to the Three and Out podcast. If you like the show, subscribe. If you leave a review, also would be greatly appreciated. Three and Out, leave a review. And then, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram handle. Get your uh, questions answered right here on the podcast. Pretty easy. 
Okay, I wanted to dive into the NFL draft. And I, I can't steal this analogy. Someone DM'd it to me in the uh, Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram handle, and said, do you know why the draft is so fascinating? It's basically basically the bachelor for men. It has, you know, 288 roses, but really the first round is, you know, it did 12 and a half million people that watched. It's 32 roses for probably 50, 60 guys that we know several guys, right? The top 10, 15 picks are really, really famous. And we don't know where they're going to end up. It is the ultimate. Listen, we've lived my entire, basically the last couple decades, when I was in high school till where I'm sitting now, reality TV shows are are not just in vogue. They are everything. I mean, they they run television. They run our entertainment. Hell, reality is just part of life now. You know, it's something that I kind of hang my hat on. Before, I always felt like when I was growing up, the media... It was hard to like see inside, to feel like they were part of you. They were separate. Now that the people that are crushing in media, you know, are kind of raw and real. <laughs> Show back the curtain, right? I mean, there's they're not hiding anything. At least I try to hang my hat on that. Like I'm a pretty open book. And I think life has turned into one big reality television show, right? With social media, obviously just everything. Just kind of the way society works. We know way more now than we did 20, 30, 40 years ago. And with the NFL, I would include that as well. But a big reason the the draft is so fucking awesome is because the NFL is by far, not even a close second, the biggest, you know, sporting league in this country. It is, you could combine all the other sporting leagues and they might not even equal the NFL. It is dramatically separated from the pack over definitely the last decade. Basically, when everyone started saying the NFL was going to die, Roger Goodell sucks, is when they doubled down and they've never looked back. But the draft is a huge reason for their success. It's a huge springboard leading into the offseason, which ultimately goes to the season. And a big reason we got to tip our hat is college football. Unlike in basketball, where their sport has really had it seen a precipitous drop in interest, A large reason, in my opinion, now there are several factors, their draft has never been less interesting, right? It's pretty boring. Why? We don't know any of the fucking players. Guys are coming from overseas, one-and-done guys, dudes are playing in the G League. I mean, I'm kind of a nerd. I know a decent amount of the players, but the average fan does not. Where, when it comes to the NFL draft, you have a decent idea of the top, you know, 15, 20, 30 guys in the draft which is really all the NFL cares about, having an enormous Thursday night, doing 12 and a half, 13, 14 million people watching. And the only reason we're able to do that is because coming in, we have a feel and we've seen some of those players. Because the second biggest sport right now in America is college football. <laughs> so the masses watch the NFL and they watch college football. And because to get to the NFL, you have to play college football. There is no circumventing that. I guess you could play college basketball, but th- those, those guys are outliers. For the most part, 99.999% of NFL players playing college football for several years. And then like the Rose Ceremony, which is the draft, is fascinating. Because it it is true reality television show. Beside the first couple picks, we didn't have any clue who was going to go where. Like, I'll be honest, when the the Cincinnati Bengals took Jamar Chase, I was like, damn, I thought they were going to take Panay Sewell. When the Miami Dolphins took Jalen Waddle, I was like, damn, didn't see that one coming. When the uh, Carolina Panthers took J.C. Horn, I was like, wow, didn't see that happening. 
No one saw Justin Fields going to the Bears. That's a huge reason for the interest. So occasionally, and I don't try to pay these people any attention. You, you see it, you know, these media members like, abolish the draft. Some of these agents, get rid of the draft. A draft is a big reason for the explosion and the, the sustained cash flow. The draft is a necessary, I don't call it an evil, but if you're anti-draft, like it's a big part of the process, which is the NFL's business model, which currently produces cash at a high rate, right? We just The news today was that the Thursday night games will be exclusively on Amazon. And the NFL has some built-in uh, advantages, right? One, one thing that's way different in basketball, most elite guys in, in basketball don't need to stay for more than one year. I, I, I acknowledge that. Right, The G League team in the NBA was actually stationed in where I live, in Walnut Creek, because Steph Curry's gym was here. They had facilities. They were here. You know, that, in theory, is supposed to be good for the NBA. It's bad. No one watches the G League. No one knows who any of these fucking players are. Where if you play at Alabama, you play at SC, you play at Texas, you play at LSU, you play at Ohio State, I'm going to consume you as a fan. Right? Just It's easy for a guy like me, who is you know, makes his living off talking about football, being able to talk casually about a lot of these prospects. Because you've watched Ohio State. You've seen Oregon play a game or two. You've watched Clemson. Even if it's just for a game or two, you have some sort of familiarity with that given player. And then going into the draft, you're a fan of your NFL team. You want to see which guy they're going to take. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the biggest brands in the NFL. Who do they end up with? star running back at Alabama, Dallas Cowboys, biggest brand in the NFL. Who do they end up with? Star linebacker from Penn State, right? And even the 49ers who end up with a guy from North Dakota State that we built up that player so much, everyone knew who Trey Lance was. And it it truly has become the best reality TV show in just in America, the National Football League. But I don't think we can underrate how important the draft is to the entire television show, right? It gives us an introduction to the future guys of the league. It's what one thing I've always said, and it, I, listen, I, it was part of my job when I worked in the NFL, but at least now I don't need to fake it. I find fifth, sixth, seventh rounders very, very boring. Undrafted free agents as well. Like, I, I could peek at a guy, give you an opinion, but you have no clue until you watch them practice. I've, I've been going now pretty consistently to NFL practices, whether I worked in the league or doing this for a living for over a decade, and you know immediately, you're like, oh, that six-rounder sucks. Or, damn, that undrafted free agent is really good. And the great part about the meritocracy of the league is like, if a fourth-rounder sucks, an undrafted free agent's good, and they play the same position, the fourth-rounder's gone, the undrafted free agent makes a team. Now, obviously, a lot of good players come from those rounds, right? Historically, Richard Sherman's, Brady's, Julian Edelman's. I mean, we can list them, George Kittle's. ton of guys from all different rounds. But at the time when they were drafted, no one's like, I bet George Kittle's going to be a, you know, a Hall of Fame talent. Not a soul, right? All right, Julian Edelman, he's going to be a Wes Welker's replacement, a great champion, and Tom Brady's best friend. Of course not. Now, I have no problem doing that once these guys prove it, but we do that much more with the first rounders. And that's what's fun, right? And that's where we spend the majority of our time talking about because those guys are much a leader, you know, higher level prospects. A leader, I don't think that's a word, but just higher level guys. People we are much more comfortable projecting, where it's much more difficult in the later rounds, right? It's why the television ratings for the later rounds, 
I mean, I'm an NFL junkie. I kind of find it boring, you know? Now, I had a little money on Keegan Bradley. He let me down, but I was like watching the golf tournament Saturday. It's like, you know, I don't even, you know, we'll see. These guys are good. And I'm not saying that a lot of them will be good. It's a great part about the NFL. A lot of the guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh, and undrafted free agents will end up starting, especially now. Guys that opted out, guys with limited film, who knows? This could be an ultimate crapshoot. But you don't really know until you start. Trust me, I used to do it. Evaluate preseason film. You'd be like, oh, I bet this third rounder is good. And then all of a sudden you realize, damn, is the fifth rounder better? Well, obviously that team didn't believe that on draft night. Neither do the fans. But it changes fast because you know right away. Anyone listening to this, whoever your team is, you, you can list countless examples of like, God, I didn't know who this guy was, but two years later, our best player in the draft class was our six-round pick. It's like, God, thank God we got those two undrafted free agents that were our starting right guard and our starting cornerback. Happens to every team in the league. So the, the reality television show, I mean, it peaks at the draft, but then going into training camp, we're all locked into the first and second round players, right? But then as you watch preseason play out, you're like, damn, that guy's really good. Or damn, this guy kind of sucks. And the reality television show plays on. And part of last week, a huge addition, Aaron Rodgers, who wanted to be in the mix of everyone talking. And he threw his kind of hat in the ring. I don't even know what to make of that situation right now. Is it, is it just as simple as he doesn't want to live in Wisconsin anymore? He wants to move out to La La Land with his girlfriend? Slash fiance, slash wife? I don't even know what they are. Because his three opportunities were San Francisco, Vegas, and Denver. He just wants to come out west. I get it. I'm from the West Coast. I lived in the Northeast for a couple years. I couldn't get back to the West Coast fast enough. So I understand. Now, part of his job, like he's been there 15 years, makes a ton of money, like kind of comes with the territory in that business. Plus, it's not like a, a year-round job. It's really five or six months, right? Ideally six months if you make playoff runs, which he typically does. But I, I'd say the Green Bay Packers have been pretty good for Aaron Rodgers' brand. Now, he's been good for them too, right? But I, I think it's a muddy situation. I watched some of the press conference with Gudikins. I thought he handled it pretty well. But I think that's a great example of the ultimate reality TV show. You're telling me the MVP of the league and one of the best players we've ever seen is like, fuck it, I, I want out? You don't typically see that. While another star young quarterback, think about this. He's like, you got to trade me. And then a month later, all these massage therapists come after him. And now it's like, is Deshaun Watson ever going to play in the league again? Like, ideally, if you're the NFL, you don't want situations like that. But when I talk about reality television show, when I talk about the big business, that's a good thing. One thing that I think's really hurt the NBA when I was growing up, they used to have crazy players. You know what's pretty good for sports? Having not everyone be the same. Not having everyone be the same boring personality. I like some crazy SOBs in my league. The NFL always going to have that. The NBA used to. When I grew up, Anthony Mason, Rasheed Wallace. I mean, I remember I was a huge Sacramento Kings fan, and we got Jason Williams, White Chocolate, Randy Moss's uh, high school teammate. Like, you need some dudes on edge. The NBA is full of just elite guys who make a ton of money who just are kind of boring. The NFL still has some wild cards, right? And we'll talk about it a little bit later, like red flag guys. Like, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not a red flag guy, hopefully, in my life, right? I try to do the right thing. I try to stay out of trouble. I've never been arrested. But if I ran a business and my business was a pro sports league, like, having red flag guys in your league help just draw eyeballs. It just does. You know, I, I mean, the media hates it. Like, how can you give the, these guys to the league? Well, I don't know. It's a bottom line business. We're just trying to make money and win games. That's really our only, we're not setting the moral compass for society. And ultimately having some of these crazy dudes in the league, like for the big picture, I hate to say it, is good for business. 
I mean, it's just, it's just a fact, right? It, it just is. Now, you don't want an abundance of them, but having a couple guys just on the ticker getting in trouble isn't bad for business. It's been proven. We've seen it year after year in the NFL. The NFL's had the greatest run of the last decade we've ever seen for a sports league. Now, part of it, it's just it's the perfect television product, and television and media money is skyrocketed because that's where our eyeballs go. But, like, the reality television show just carries on, right? What's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? What's going to happen with Deshaun Watson? Are they going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, the, this is just reality television at its finest. We don't even know if any of these rookies can play. Is Jordan Love any good? Like, the questions are actually real. Um, you just can't beat it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses 
Get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's let's take a look at a couple different teams and their philosophies when it came to this last draft. Let's start with the Colts. I'm open-minded when it comes to risk, right? I mean, the two head coaches I worked for, Pat Hill and Andy Reid, I'd call pretty pretty liberal when it comes to uh, taking risks, taking flyers on guys. That's just that's how they thought. And I, I'm open to it as well. Like, I, I look at the Colts and I go, you know, they're a little bit more conservative when it comes to players. And I think you heard Frank kind of get excited there. Like, I, I'm not anti-taking risks, but why are we taking risks when there are good players with high character? And I think sometimes we outthink the room in terms of the scouting philosophy and the draft process. Because there are some talented players who are turds off the field, right? And you like desperately want to include them in the group instead of really focusing on just the really good players who are good guys. Now, no, most people aren't like Andrew Luck, but just high character, good guys. I've always said this about the NFL. I think the majority of players in the league are really, really impressive individuals. I, I, I think a large percentage, 80, 85% of the league could do basically anything and just have a lot of success in society. They're disciplined, they're hardworking, they're smart, they're high-character guys. I, I think that's the overwhelming majority of the league. Then I think there's, you know, 15, 20% that are, you know, teeter, go back and forth of like, you know, I don't know if I'd hang out with that guy. Now, it's kind of a crazy sport. So maybe 10% of that 20% is just the nature of getting crazy people in a sport that you got to be crazy to play. But I often think that, you know, a team gets dead set on an individual player and they try to justify his character issues. We've seen some different stories, or at least I have. Cowboys took a dude that got kicked out of Florida State. I think the Titans just got uh, turned. There's a story about a dude from Pittsburgh that had his girlfriend, the Florida State guy, had his girlfriend too. The difference is the Titans guy, he came out and immediately said that he didn't do it. The Florida State guy who then played at Marshall, Josh Ball, I mean, he did it. Uh, so every year you have countless, and that's an extreme domestic assault. I mean, we could have as simple as like, uh, I, I don't know, got arrested, got in fights, just just maybe not the greatest guy. Like, here's, here's a reality of society. Everyone like, and listen, mental health is a huge issue for a lot of people. Like, yeah, it's life, right? We're all dealing with different mental stresses, mental pressures, societal pressures, uh, relationship pressures, business pressures. Like, that's... Welcome to the real world. Like, I mean, fuck. That's never changed in the history of humanity. It's just been at different levels as society and civilization has changed over time. But sometimes, you know, like when you get a guy doing something crazy and people try to use like mental health, like he's just going through a rough time. No, you know, some people are just assholes. Some people are just bad people. Now, I don't think anyone's born a bad person. But over time, once you get to like maybe early 20s, mid-20s, you can just be a bad person. 
Like, there are, not every person that you meet in life is just like, oh, that's a good guy. Good, salt of the earth. I'd want to be around that guy. Want him to be my neighbor. I'd want him to be my business partner. Just the, the simple reality to the situation. A draft is no different than any office, right? Or any group of kids coming out of school trying to enter the workforce. There are good ones and there are bad ones. We just got some bad apples. There's no way around it. I'm not a psychologist, but for whatever reason, it just happens with certain people. I think a lot has to do with your upbringing if I had to play uh, amateur psychologist. But, you know, maybe it's just psychologically we're all wired a little different. And I think sometimes you just get questionable individuals. And if you think that guy's a questionable individual, but he can play football, and I've always said this, it's not the NFL's job to be the moral compass of that city, of that state, in this country. That, that is not their job. They basically have two objectives, and they're both intertwined. First and foremost, to make money. Second, win games. You could even reverse the order. Win games and make money. That is their job. They, they can throw up PSAs about anything that's going on in the world and try to act. That, that is not their job, and deep down, they don't really care. We know that, and I don't blame them for it. They're a for-profit business. They're trying to make as much money as humanly possible. And they've become pretty good at it. But the one thing you hear Ballard say is like, why are we like, like I got no problem basically taking a guy that can help us play. But if we can get a good guy who can also help us play, let's just take that guy. Why are we overthinking it? It is, and it, I think in a lot of times it's like, how's it going to be perceived in the community? What will, I guess I, I, it doesn't it, like where I live. I, I don't know a soul who still reads the paper, but I think in Philly and New York, you know, Boston still read the paper in the Northeast. Like, I, the papers are dead out here with the youth. Maybe that's true back there, too, in Chicago. I, I don't know. But, like, that was always a thing. Like, what's going to be the headline in the paper? Now it's more like the headline on the internet or what we're going to say on podcasts. Why, why do you care? Because ultimately, we've seen if you win games, no one, it doesn't bother anybody. Stadium's still full, and if people still watch, that becomes a lot of white noise. Like, you can't do that. I can't. No, you, you can draft whoever you want. There are just, do you want to bring that guy, not for the perception of your team, but in your locker room, around your team, which, like I said, every team is conceived of a large majority of high-level guys. So if you have a team like the Colts, and you're led by DeForest Buckner, T.Y. Hilton, you just draft last year Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, Darius Leonard, good dudes, your GM, your head coach, high-character guys. Do you want to bring a tournament into the room? Like, what's the point? Just because maybe we get an extra touchdown? Why don't we just take a good player? And for the most part, that's how they built their team. What do they do every year? Win double-digit games. Like, that, that that's the, to me, like, I, I think oftentimes, and I'm guilty, we gravitate toward the question guy for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. Obviously, it's his talent. But if all things are equal, why are we messing with him? And I think Frank brings up a great point. The other thing I saw... And this definitely went viral. And I saw Albert Breer wrote that the Steelers took a lot of heat for this statement. And I I would ask Albert, took a lot of heat where? Like on social media? On Twitter? I mean, we we know a small, small, tiny percentage of people are on there. So like, they really take a lot of heat for it? Because after watching the draft, I actually realized what Kevin Colbert was saying. He said it to Kevin Clark you know, three or four months ago, and he doubled down during the draft process because they did not draft one opt-out guy. 
And when he told Kevin Clark months ago about they will not draft an opt-out guy, I just assumed he's talking like Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase, some of the best players in the draft opted out. Rashawn Slater, who went to the Chargers, like several picks in the top like 15 were opt-outs. I thought the majority of opt-outs were just high first-round picks. Do you know what it turns out? That's not the case. There were opt-outs all over the draft. And I think it's a valid question to ask, like, I get Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase opting out. They had nothing to gain. What about the guys that had a lot to gain and opted out? And went, when I look up, go in the third, fourth round. Like, should you have opted out? Was that a good decision? Did you get terrible advice? Because I didn't quite realize going into the draft the, the amount of players that opted out. Now, the Steelers did not draft one. And they were adamant that they weren't going to mess with it. Because I do think it's fair to say to go, and whether this is right or wrong, I don't know the answer. Every individual player is his own case study. But, you know, a guy that's get drafted in the fourth round that's an opt-out, like, did he even want to play football? Because, like, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, all, all these guys played and campaigned to come back. Now, one area I will defend the guys is in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that it didn't look like their season was going to happen. Their institutions, led by the academic elites of America, wanted to cancel football. And the Big Ten did, and the Pac-12 followed them. And then they got a ton of shit, and we saw the SEC, ACC, and the Big 12 started playing like normal. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Why are you not playing? And then they eventually capitulated and started playing. And to a lot of the players in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they were kind of getting torn, you know, toyed around by, like a yo-yo, right? Anyone, any small business owner in a city that was heavy on lockdowns can relate. You guys were treated like yo-yos during the coronavirus pandemic in 2020 with the lockdowns. There was no rhyme or reason to anything. At any moment, oh, it's, it's off. Oh, you're open again. That's not the way you treat people. And the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did that to players. So there is definitely an angle of a guy that, like, the Niners drafted a third-round corner from Michigan. And I was like, well, why didn't this guy play? But then I understand, like, Michigan, one of the crazy lockdown states in America, also with the Big Ten, it was very, very difficult. Like, I I do understand, but I also get the Steelers going, you know, we're not even going to mess with it. Now, I don't think you ever want to... pigeonhole is the wrong word, but back yourself into the corner with the philosophy just because there are probably going to be a lot of good players, non the top guys, who opted out last year in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 who strictly did it because they weren't able to train and they didn't know if they were going to play and then, you know, come mid-October, like, you guys are playing. It was a shit show. An absolute circus. that There is no way around it. The Pac-12 and the Big Ten were, were embarrassing during the fall. And the ACC and SEC kind of clowned them. And I think a lot of the players, who I'm sure are friends with a lot of guys in those conferences, like, I don't know what we're doing. And a lot of those schools closed down hardcore. You couldn't work out. They, they don't facilitate any place to work out, and the guys tapped out. So I understand Tomlin and Kevin Colbert taking that stance. But I also think you got to be careful because certain individuals, like, have a good case. And they might push back, well, he had the opportunity to finally come back with his teammates, and he didn't. And they're not talking about Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell, which I just assumed they were the whole time. Really, to me, what they're talking about is the dude in the fourth round. Like, why wouldn't you want to play and help your stock and go up? Because that is the one thing with the opt-out guys. 
Anyone that did not play in 2020, yeah, 2000, the fall of 2020, who wasn't an elite player, he could have helped his stock and gone from a third or fourth rounder to a second or first. He also could have hurt his stock. Because part of having more information and a larger sample size is we get a better view of who you are. Now, I think a lot of the kids would say, I, I wasn't able to train. I didn't feel I was going to play very well. I, I, didn't, I wasn't comfortable doing it. Because the elephant in the room was, these kids weren't scared of corona, right? It was just they, they weren't able to work out. They weren't, hell, all the schools in the Pac-12 out by me weren't able to practice. The, the cow canceled the game when one player got corona because of these crazy laws in Berkeley. They literally had to cancel because one guy in one position group got corona. They had to cancel the game. So I, it's like, I go both ways. I, I like the Steelers being strong in their conviction with it, and I understand elements to where they're coming from. At the same time, like, outside of Pittsburgh, like I, I, I lived in, you know, a, a radical place who I kind of would have, if I was one of these players, I, I would have been like, what's going on here? And they really never got an answer till last minute. I mean, hell, Cal played UCLA one week, there was that one. The following week after the game was canceled, they had an opponent that had to cancel a game. On Friday, they're like, "We're going to play UCLA." They played Sunday morning at nine a.m. at the Rose Bowl. So it's like I, I don't even. I, I think you have to put yourself in some of the shoes of some of these teams and go, "This is pretty nuts." Like it, it was the school's fault. It was the institution and their leadership's fault. It was a clown show. And I think a lot of these players, I, I, I give them credit for like, this is stupid. Now, some of these players could, probably lost themselves a lot of money. The guys that are going to end up being good pros, they would have been good if they would have came and played. But, you know, the, the situation was very, very complicated. Another thing I saw, John Elway. He uh, took a back seat this draft. I think we got to be very careful about, just because you're a GM, like a title, and anyone in any different job knows this. Just because you have a title doesn't mean a damn thing. A wise man once told me a long time ago, said one thing he learned early on in his career, and he works in the financial institute, like he's, you know, uh, I guess a venture capitalist now. He hedge funds, like he's in that kind of world, finance world. And he said early on in his career, he was so big on being called like a vice president and asking for all these titles. And he's like, you know what? One thing I learned... You could call me an intern if you're paying me a premium. I, people get so caught up in hollow things. And being a GM in the NFL is a really big deal. But not all general managers are created equal. You know, I mean, we see what's going on with Gudikins and Aaron Rodgers. I, the one thing we've learned, the general manager in Green Bay has a lot of juice. So when Aaron Rodgers says he wants the GM fired, it's because he knows it was the GM's call to draft the quarterback. The GM is in charge of the Packers. It's an elite general manager job. It just is. But if you're the GM for the Seattle Seahawks and John Schneider, ultimately, Pete Carroll is the boss. It is not the same as being the general manager in Green Bay as being the general manager in Seattle. And for most of these teams, depending on who you are, like historically for Andy Reid, like being his GM is not that great of a job because ultimately he's the boss. Well, one thing, since he's gone to Kansas City, he lets the GM be the GM. John Dorsey, Brett Veach, they get to run free agency. They get to run the draft. So every team is so different, right? San Francisco. Like, John, John Lynch has a very, very difficult job handling Kyle Shanahan, running the scouting department. But Kyle Shanahan is the ultimate decision maker. If he truly wants something, he's going to get it, and John's going to get vetoed. Now, John's paid a ton of money, 
but his GM job, the Denver Broncos, that is an elite general manager job. As we saw with Elway for the last, you know, whatever decade, and now with George Payton, like, they get to be in charge. Part of being a GM, like, you aspire to run the program. Now, it's a hard balance, because ultimately you want an elite coach, and usually an elite coach is going to want some juice. But in a perfect world, you kind of want a coach who's going to be open-minded to your ideas and you can work with. And that's what I bet if John Schneider walked in the door right now, he'd be like, you know, Pete's given me a lot of juice over the years, right? Mickey Loomis would say the same thing with Sean Payton. Brett and Andy just have a, you know, kind of a unique relationship. And that's what I'll be fascinated. Like George Patton, Payton, when he took the GM job in Denver, like he gets to make all the calls. If Vic Fangio doesn't win this year, he's going to get fired. And I'll be fascinated to watch in, in with the Lions, with Atlanta, some of these new programs. Like, how's it truly going to work? Does, does the GM actually get to pick the players? Or do you have to do what the coach wants? Now, ultimately, you want to be on the same page as the coach. You don't want to draft a player that he doesn't want. That doesn't make any sense, right? That, that's, just, that's a terrible business philosophy. You guys want to be on the same page. But we're humans. We, we all are not going to think alike. We're going to have, we're going to butt heads. And ultimately, who's in charge, who's making the decisions, is going to win out. And that is usually what leads to a lot of uh, fights and anger, historically, in NFL buildings. I wanted to dive into some draft nuggets and just different things from this weekend that excited me, that I had opinions on, that that I just wanted to mention here on the pod. And first and foremost, one of the more polarizing picks, I think ultimately I saw Breer and Peter King and most people in the NFL world thought the Alex Leatherwood, the Raiders' 17th overall selection, tackle from Alabama, was the most head-scratching pick in the draft. And I say it all the time, the draft is twofold. One, it's a marketplace. What do you have to pay for a given player, right? You don't want to use the 10th pick on a player if you can get him at 15. Can you move back? You don't want to, if you're sitting there at 18 and you got to get to 14 to get the desired player you want, what's going to cost you something? It's a marketplace. Every player has a value and you have to understand the value league-wide. And one thing I saw today by several, uh, you know, Different people on the internet. I saw Jim Nagy, uh, director of the Senior Bowl. And I think Benjamin Albright said that Alex Leatherwood, everyone's making too big of a deal of this. Because most people I talked to thought he was like somewhere between like 40 and 60. And Jim Nagy wrote he would have gone in the first round. And Benjamin Albright said he would not have made it past Baltimore 27. Now listen, I'm all for having a player you want, isolating that guy, and being dead set on getting them. But back to the first part of the equation, you have to know what you have to pay. And here's the thing with the Raiders, with John Gruden and Mike Mayock. They have had now three years in a row, they've taken a guy that the entire league would not have taken at that spot. Now, I understand that maybe the teams I talk to like him worse than the Baltimore Ravens or whatever, but at 17, from Cleveland Farrell last year to Damon Arnett and this year to Alex Leatherwood, in the first round, when they get into a big spot, they never have the ability to move back. Just look at the Cowboys. They would have taken Michael Parsons at number 10 overall. 
Now they got the Eagles to come up to 10, and they moved back two spots. They got an extra third-round pick, and they took the guy they just would have taken. Yet with Cleveland Farrell, with Damon Arnett, and now with Leatherwood, I got no problem taking these guys in the first round. I get it. But why do you never know the value and are never able to finagle three or four spots back? Add a fourth, add a third. Hell, move five or six spots back, add a two. Do business. Do NFL high-level shit. They never are able to do it. Now, I think Mayock would say it takes two to tango. True. It does. But why are you never able to find a trading partner? Ever. In the first round, on the big boy pick, when a lot's on the line, and that pick is worth a lot of capital, you're never able to move. Ever. Not with Farrell, who... I. I don't think Cleveland Farrell would have got in the top 15. Damon Arnett, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me you couldn't have got him at like 30. And Leatherwood. So even if he was going to go to the Ravens at 27, 28, whenever, you can't go from 17, find a way to get back to like 23? They never are able to throw a curveball. Anyone can move up. Moving up is not that complicated. If I'm at 20 and I want to get to 11, the Bears, when they got Justin Fields, you call the guy at 11, you go, listen, We'll give you next year's one. Boom. We got a deal. It's that simple. Anyone can move up. Moving up is easy. Moving back is hard. You know why? Because going into the draft, you have to understand who's where, what value is where, understanding what picks are worth. You have to line these things up before the draft. And the Raiders are never able to do that under this administration. I think highly of Mike Mayock. Everything I ever watched him do on television, he was always impressive. He was always much more of a NFL guy than he ever felt like a media guy. Deep down at my core, I'm really more in the media end of the business. Like I like that shit more than the NFL stuff. Okay? More than the scouting stuff. Mayock's the opposite. He, he, he's just a junkie. He belongs in the NFL. But he has a weakness. Gruden as well. And Gruden's the boss. Ultimately, Mayock answers to him. But like this is what a GM has to at least have set up and he's never able to do it. Not once in these big spots. Maybe he does it later in the draft. Who cares? What happens with Farrell, Arnett, and now Leatherwood that you can't just get the guy that you wanted all along? I got no problem with you taking Leatherwood. But take him at 22. Take him at 24. And add an extra third-round pick. That, that's what the draft's about. Value. Acquiring assets. Outthinking the room. It's a business exercise. It's not just, we got to get this player. This guy can play right tackle for us. Okay, I get it. But can you also get that guy that you want to play right tackle for you and acquire a third round pick? Because that's what the smart guys do. And the Raiders, it feels like they're operating on a different wavelength than all the good teams. Uh, Brady. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers took Kyle Trask in the second round. I saw Bruce Arian said, you know, you end up watching Kyle Pitts. You end up watching uh, the wide receiver, Tony, and you're like, God, all these balls are perfectly placed. They ended up drafting him. Don't blame him at all. If you have a star, high-level quarterback, Belichick did it once with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, ultimately, Jimmy outlasted him. To me, the, the Buccaneers were crazy to not take a quarterback in this draft. Get him around Tom for a year, for two years, however long he's there, but like, I like the mindset. And you need a backup quarterback. Like, If Tom Brady does go down, you are not winning anything with Blaine Gabbert. You will lose. Unless he has to just play one game. But if he has to start five, six, seven, eight games, you will lose. So maybe Kyle Trask, I, you know, he can just be a marginal starter, good backup, 
if Brady were to roll an ankle and miss a couple games, which you'd say that never happens, but if it does, he's 43, 44 years old, could you win some games with this guy? And can he take some information and uh, through, you know, just being around Tom every day, watching the way the guy practices, watching the way the guy works, you don't think that benefited Jimmy Garoppolo when he got traded to San Francisco? He kind of knew the secret sauce. Now, ultimately, you have to end up going out, you have to play, you have to make the throws, you have to call the, you know, the plays from the headset to from the coach, right? You need to execute the offense, but it, it can't be anything but a positive being around Tom every day in practice, being around him every day in the meeting room, taking notes by how he lives his life. So I, I, I love that pick. And I'm not even that big of a Kyle Trask guy. I think there's tangible pressure now on uh, the AFC, the two young AFC North quarterbacks from the same draft. Uh, obviously, Lamar is much more accomplished than Baker Mayfield. Right? I mean, he's won an MVP, basically been in the playoffs all three years. Now, the Ravens organization historically is, I mean, on their worst day, beside last year, that was the Browns' best day. Right? So before this last year, Baker's first two years, Hugh Jackson, uh, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens, you know, Freddie, I'm making a sandwich in the kitchen, uh, was embarrassing. But both those guys, but start with Lamar, like they added a wide receiver in the first round. They added T. Martin and Keith Williams are their receiver coaches now. So Hollywood Brown should get better. They signed Sammy Watkins, who's played for the Chiefs for the last three years, who's beloved in that organization. You know, it's time to kind of take a step as a a passing quarterback. Because as we've seen with all these running quarterbacks historically, you can't just run around forever. Eventually, you got to make throws. Even the mobile quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson are running around behind the line of scrimmage throwing the football. This is a big year for Lamar, and I'm a Lamar fan. Earlier, when I had my AC up a little too high, I had nobody cares work harder. He's got the right mindset. He, he doesn't play the victim BS that the media would eat up. You know, it's not my fault. It's the coaching staff. It's the offense. No, he always wears it. But now it is time for him just to take another step as a quarterback, as a passing quarterback. And I think it's it can be a hard balance when you run, you know, a run heavy offense. It's hard to get into a rhythm as a quarterback. It's easy for Josh Allen, Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Brady to get into a rhythm as a passer. They throw the ball. They never there's not a balance. They're not like, "Well, we're going to take off and run. We're not going to run quarterback power here." So, I I I think it's just Mark Andrews is a stud. Like they got weapons. They they got weapons. Big big year for uh for Lamar Jackson. Same with Baker, their team is loaded. Absolutely, they have a they're they're going to play a third place schedule. They won eleven games. They've gotten better this offseason. The Browns roster on paper probably top five in the league. And if Baker plays like he did last year down the stretch, they'll be in good shape. He had moments early on. Now new offense. It's very quarterback friendly. They got two sweet running backs. Odell Beckham comes back. The, they, the Browns, their defense is going to be awesome. They just drafted a sweet corner in the first round. Ward is good. They signed a safety in free agency. They already have. You see Miles Garrett at the draft? What was that, the second or third round when he came out in his suit? I mean, the suit looked. Remember when Chris Farley's fat guy in a little coat? That looked like Jack guy in a little coat. Remember Arnold Schwarzenegger like in the 80s? That's how Miles Garrett looks right now. The difference between Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's not stiff in the hips. He can bend the edge. Miles Garrett looks like a different species of human than like myself. Like, is this guy getting bigger by the year? Guy looks like a fucking monster. I mean, he might, for the next three or four years, be the best pass rusher, you know, beside Aaron Donald in the league. 
So you got weapons everywhere on offense. You got a sweet defensive backfield. You got the best pass rusher in the league, potentially. Be a good young coach. This kind of big year for Baker Mayfield, man, and Lamar Jackson. Now, I, both these teams probably be in the playoffs, but I, we know the Ravens will. We'll see. You know, the Browns, one playoff berth in a long period of time. Can they sustain it? They should be able to. I mean, you could argue they should win the division. Wait till we see some of the odds come out. Uh, like, can I get the Browns like 5-6-1 to one to win that division? I mean, what, they haven't won it probably since the 90s. I, I, I kind of like that. And I don't, but I, you know. I, I was texting with Nagy on Friday, maybe it was Saturday. He said it to Peter King and Albert Breyer. Like, he loved Justin Fields. They did a lot of work on Justin Fields. I didn't realize they were kind of circling the Justin Fields situation. That if he fell, they, 10, 11, 12, they were going to be aggressive. Like, they had a plan of attack. And I, I've talked a lot of mess about Ryan Pace. I, I think he's an average to below general manager. I mean, he whiffed on a quarterback in a draft with Mahomes and Watson. Like, that alone's a fireable offense. You took Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. It's hard to take anything you do after that seriously. But, I'm not going to go Harry and Lloyd here, totally redeem yourself. But, you know, redeem himself a little bit. I mean, Justin Fields, who, if if you would have told me the Niners took it three, I would have plotted. I wouldn't have thought it was crazy if the, the Jets took it two. I think Justin Fields is an elite prospect. Elite. He's a better prospect coming out of college than Deshaun Watson. I'm not even going to compare him to Mahomes because it's not even apples to apples. Mahomes wasn't. We weren't even talking about it. But Deshaun, who had won a national championship, who was viewed as a legitimate NFL player, like I think Justin Fields is a better prospect physically. Now, obviously, there's more to quarterback than just your physical attributes, but I, I give the Bears, they got lucky in a sense that he fell. Right, the Panthers and the Broncos passed on him, and, and they pounced. What would have been fascinating if Justin Fields and Mac Jones were sitting there at 15, who Belichick would have taken? I'd assume Mac Jones, but who knows? I mean, they signed Cam Newton last year. None of us saw that coming. Some of the Jets coaches, Albert Breer wrote this, in their meetings leading up to the draft, Joe Douglas put a lot on the coaching staff to evaluate all the quarterbacks Right in like uh, February and March. They did a big evaluation before they made any decision on Sam Darnold. Some of the coaching staff for the Jets like Zach Wilson more than Trevor Lawrence, which I've heard some people that do too. Like I don't think it's that crazy. But I said it last week. A Jets fan DM me. He's like, you're just a Jets hater. I'm not. They're just they're the worst team in the division. That's not being a hater. That's a, Joe Douglas would tell you that over beers. That doesn't mean in a couple years they can't be really good. I love Robert Sala. LaFleur has a chance to be a really good offensive coordinator. Look what everyone running that offense do. But they don't have much talent on the roster. They have two good offensive linemen now. They have a safety. Some of these draft picks, but we don't know. You know, the guard, they, uh, I mean, the quarterback, who knows? It's going to be a big transition. But a lot of pressure is on this guy. It, it, their coaching staff thought he was better than Trevor Lawrence. Like, I, that, that's pretty bold take. Like, I, this guy better be pretty solid. And like I said last week, I think it's going to be difficult. You know, it just, it just is. I mean, the, the, the division they play in is tough. I mean, it's got Belichick, the greatest coach of all time. Uh, Brian Flores, who learned 20 years from Belichick and who has a solid team. And Sean McDermott, who has an elite team. I mean, the second best team in the AFC. You got to play those six times. You have a first-time coordinator on offense and defense, a first-time head coach. And a rookie quarterback. Just a lot of moving parts. 
of newness, right? I mean, put yourself in the situation. Anytime you're doing something new, even if you're good at it, it's difficult. Like you don't just, whatever you do for a living, if you just take a step up at whatever that is, it can be a challenge the first week, the first month, the first year. You get a new job. You usually don't just hit the ground running and just take off like Usain Bolt. Like, oh shit, this is easy. Like, there are going to be growing pains. Anytime you gain new responsibility in your position, right? I guess Zach Wilson is doing the same thing. It's just at a much higher level. Robert Sala's never been a head coach. LaFleur's never been a coordinator. Joe Douglas now actually has like pressure on him for the first time, right? Making this move with the quarterback. So I, I'm just... Douglas, I guess he told him on the phone, all you have to be to Zach Wilson is yourself. Us and the organization will lift you with us. Like he's trying to take the pressure off the quarterback, but we just know like the pressure always turns to the quarterback. Just the way the business works. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team. 
and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home. And then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo active cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff, the Instagram. You guys, uh, please slide right in to the direct messages. I have a lot. Start with Wes. If declaring for the draft is a requirement to enter the league, couldn't a Zach Wilson or a Trevor Lawrence go play in the CFL for a year, then enter the NFL as an unrestricted free agent? Can't help but feel like Zach Wilson's career is going to be over before it even starts when he goes to the Jets. Well, so let's. What's stopping a top prospect like Trevor Lawrence from not declaring for the draft and entering the league as a collegiate free agent? I know it would probably be worse for the league. Well, here's the thing. Like Trevor Lawrence, the moment he gets drafted, he's property of the Jacksonville Jags, right? Or Zach Wilson with the Jets. So they could not show up and go play in CFL, right? They would still be under the the umbrella of their team. And where where it wouldn't make sense is the NFL pays more. Do you know how much he, do you know how much the number one overall pick's gonna make this year? I think like thirty eight, thirty nine million dollars. Guaranteed. Four years, thirty eight million dollars. And if you're good, you get the fifth year option. And if you're really good, you get your contract extension. Our uh, our neighbors to the north, they ain't paying that type cash. Hell, you're not even allowed to leave your house right now in Canada. Or you get arrested. So uh, I I'd say these guys. Uh, yeah. Plus, here's here's the thing. Now, if Trevor Lawrence came out of college and was a true free agent. How much money would he get? Someone probably give him hundred million dollars, but it'd be pretty risky, right? I, I I do think it's the the way the NFL works. The draft is good for players. You get drafted high, you get a lot of cash, right? They build up the league. They keep the cash flowing for everybody, not just you. It's a team sport. You need to pay a lot of people. the The, the draft is a healthy mechanism. The way it's set up right now in the NFL to just Keep this, you know, the league flowing. Listen to the podcast this weekend, and you talked about being immature with your mind in your 20s. I thought that was really interesting and relatable to myself right now. What did you do, or how did you change that? Well, I think as you get older, you just become less emotional would probably be the wrong word. I'd say less reactionary. Most of my immaturity in my 20s would just be I'd freak out, right? And get angry at stuff. A lot of stuff you can't control. You just don't have control of your emotions, right? You see young players in sports, right? In high school, freaking out. And you see guys in the pros, like, now, guys freak out too. But guys be able to handle their emotion. I think as you live, as you meet new people, uh, as you do new things, you gain new perspective. I mean, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I just, 
I think it's with age. You know, I mean, now some people are more mature in their 20s. I think the best thing that's happened to me is perspective in life. You know, I've, I've been fired, I've been in the gutter, and I've been doing well. I've seen both sides of it. You know, you, you just, you're either going to wake up happy or not, whether you got a million dollars in the bank or whether you got zero dollars in the bank. If you just have a good attitude and don't freak out over everything, it's easier to accomplish stuff. The other thing that I try to do a really, uh, I was going to say really good job of, I, I'd be lying if I said I did it. I, I'm cognizant of and I attempt to not do is to assume things. And I think you get a lot of <clears throat> get in trouble in your mind when you assume things. I think the faster you learn, and you to me, you only learn through doing things. The less you assume, the healthier your mind is. And I think when you're young, and it happens to people that aren't young too, they spend so much time assuming. And I think when we assume, we naturally think of the worst things, something negative. And that's going to lead to, uh, you know, becoming un, un, you know, emotionally a little unhinged. I, I, I do. To me, the main part of maturity is just control of your emotions, right? And the more you can control your emotions, you know, someone looks at you funny. When I was twenty years old, I might stare back. Someone looks at me funny now. It's like whatever. I don't care. Now I'm not claiming to be like Chuck Liddell. What am I going to do? Go kick his ass? But my point is, like little things. And then on top of anything work-related, like you have a question, that there's a, uh, a disagreement or something that you think like that, that money doesn't add up, just ask. I think the, the thing that I didn't do younger that I definitely do now, and maybe it's just because whether you own the revenue or you're in business with people, like I'm in control and it all the buck kind of ends with me that you're just quicker to ask like, hey, what's going on here? What are we doing here? You get ahead of things faster. Before, I would just let things happen and then react. And sometimes you don't have a choice, but uh, I, I'd say don't be, don't hesitate if you're if you think something instead of assuming the worst or even the best. But usually, typically, assume the worst. Just try to get ahead of it. Ask. I respect your work and connections in the league, and have heard from your story countless times. I just want to say thank you. The last. Great way of being. I just don't want to read a compliment. I'm 40 and been a pothead for years. Responsible, have a family, a career, and just love to get high in my downtime. Oh, keep preaching, helping people mentally change because you can help many of these future players. I appreciate that. It's a good... Uh, you know, so this, sometimes you just don't have questions. You just have a compliment. and you, know, you guys don't need to hear that. Oh, you know, I, I like them. You know, they make you feel good. Be lying if I said they didn't. But like I said on the maturity thing, you can't... Like in this position I'm in, I get a lot of positive things that are direct messages to me. And you also like, I'm glad I make people feel good, but you got to be kind of careful of not just like, you know, I mean, it's it's human nature. You see a bunch of people say nice things about you. You're like, kind of, damn, I'm pretty good at this. That's, you know, you just try to act the same. I appreciate that. But what I said about weed is true. And I got family in the beer business and they've done very well. Uh, but to, to act, and they'd be the first that anyone in the beer business would tell you. I mean, alcohol is harmful. And I, I listen, I had I got drunk Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. I mean, I'm not anti-drinking by any means. But the, the notion, the way I grew up, and I still see it because some of these states are not federally legal. Uh, I think a lot of people, and I've invested pretty heavily in weed, thought the Democrats would make it. But it's like... You know, Kamala Harris, when she was the district attorney in San Francisco, she was very anti-weed. 
It's one thing that like in some of my weed investments, you know, I probably have close to six figures. It makes me a little nervous. Like I thought the Biden Harris, you know, would just boom, it'd be legal. It might be a little bit more challenging than I thought. You know, it just there's so many different elements with this. And and the other thing with politics, I see it with gambling in California. Like, why is gambling not legal in California? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we have Indian casinos, which are legal. They're untaxed, and they have an unlimited amount of cash. Well, they want no part of these gambling companies coming to California because they'd build big-ass casinos, and they would take market share, and it'd be a battle. So what do they do? They pay off the politicians. No different than coming up, what was weed? Well, it was negatively marketed by who? Alcohol companies? Well, I'll give alcohol companies credit. They've pivoted. They're all in on weed companies. They've invested in the weed sector. You know who never wanted weed to become legal? Tobacco. Now, tobacco's fucked. I mean, they're done. But they they were a huge part of the negative marketing behind weed well, probably well before I was born, but definitely while I was alive. And, you know, and funding, making sure the, uh, you know, the penalties behind it, keeping it federally le- illegal. It's all kind of messed up, man. Money makes the world go round. Never forget that. I do have a question. Joe Burrow is really worthy of a first-round draft pick. Question. I saw the college film. You talking Joe Burrow, the Bengals? I saw the college film and understand that he's undeniable talent, but I don't know about a first overall. Is there something I'm not seeing or understanding? I've never bought into him. Well, he was a one-year wonder. Now, his one year was incredible. I mean, absolutely jaw-dropping. One of the greatest seasons we've ever seen. Uh, I would say the little bit that we saw before he got hurt, he looks pretty good. Now, he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. He does not have that type of arm. He's not going to be Mahomes. He's not going to be Josh Allen. He's not going to even be Russell. He's really, I think to me, if he becomes what I think people hope he becomes, he's like a better version of Tony Romo. And I think Tony Romo was a stud. Now, Tony Romo threw some picks, but he's kind of a playmaker. Well, Joe Burrow's kind of a playmaker, too. And, you know, Romo, like Burrow, they didn't have the strongest arm in the world. And it turns out, like, you know, Romo's a big-time athlete. Now, obviously, he was a much bigger, more pedigree behind as a high school kid and in college at Ohio State and LSU relative to, uh, I always get the Illinois schools messed up. Whatever school Sean Payton and Tony Romo went to. I think it's different Jimmy Garoppolo's school, but one of the Illinois. So it's just... I'd say the biggest negative on Burrow, why I don't think he'll ever be an elite, elite player, is his arms just not, you know, dominant. But Drew Brees wasn't either, and he had a hell of a career. I'd say his biggest detriment is his franchise. They're a joke. I mean, Zach Taylor, listen, I, I just don't agree with taking Jamar Chase over over an offensive lineman. I just don't. Because you could have got a sweet defense or a wide receiver in the second round. I would rather have gone offensive lineman, wide receiver. That would have been me, but I don't run the Bengals. My question is, do you think the Steelers made the right choice going Najee at 24, then going tight end in the second? Or do you think they should have went running back, then a line instead of tight end? Will their run game improve? If it didn't win drafting Mendenhall to replace Willie Parker without drafting offensive line early. Uh, I, I like Mendenhall. I remember I, I liked him a lot. I think Najee's a better player. I mean, I, I think Najee can be pretty freaking awesome. I will be shocked if Najee's not a Pro Bowl-level guy in the NFL. I, I really will. I, I think he's a big-time talent. Big-time. Uh, I would bet on Najee Harris. Now, tight end over offensive line, 
I, I'd be lying if I, I'd have to like text a buddy in the league that studied them or you as a fan know your offensive line better than me. I would always go offensive line, but what are you supposed to do if you don't have an offensive line been graded high? The problem with the Steelers is like they draft at the end of rounds. So all the offensive linemen got drafted in the first and early in the second round. Like what are they supposed to do? Draft some tackle at pick 24 in the second round? If the guy, if the tight end, I think it's tight end from Penn State, right? If the tight end's the best guy on their board, like, I don't know. I mean, a tight end does play a role in blocking. Now, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I knew much about the tight end they drafted. But I, I, I can't. I can't hate on that. I think the Steelers and Kevin Colbert know what they're doing. Hey, big fan of the pod. Be sure to announce when you come out to Phoenix next. Lunch on me in Old Town Scottsdale. Just talking NFC Western real estate. I like this guy. Thanks for the DM, Kevin. I'm going to look in this week about exploring to buy a place. It's kind of a balance because I, I, I am not planning on selling my place in Walnut Creek in the Bay Area. So I want to keep that. What I've thought about is maybe going, instead of buying a house in Scottsdale, maybe going condo and I can kind of split it with Airbnb. In the, not split it with Airbnb. I own it. And Airbnb it when I'm not there. So if I'm in Northern California going back and forth, but when I'm there, I can just live there. My place, my pay, my mortgage so cheap here. I don't know. I'm kind of going back and forth with some different ideas. We'll see. Because when I bought this condo in the Bay, the market was out of control. I paid, I paid $55,000 over asking. Luckily, they fucked up on some contingencies and I got, it turned out to be like forty five. But it was, I, pay, I paid a lot. I mean, it's pretty crazy how much I paid for where I live. I, I, I can't. My next purchase, I want to be a deal. Now, I want it to be nice. I, you know, I don't know. I'm kind. I kind of go back and forth. It's tough, you know, being a 36 year old with disposable income and options. I'm a Cowboys fan. Didn't expect the Cowboys number one pick. What's your honest opinion on it? Uh, everyone I know in the league loved the guy. They didn't pick up Van Der Esch's fifth year option today, which isn't shocking. He gets hurt all the time. Uh, I just think they took the best player on the board. They would have taken one of the two corners. They went 8-9. What, what was Jerry supposed to do? Unlike the Raiders, Jerry made a move. Jerry's like, shit, well, I got to play against Devontae Smith, whether he goes to the Eagles or the Cow- or the Giants. I might as well to get an extra third-round pick out of it and get the same guy I was going to take anyway, especially once the Giants traded up with, uh, with the Bears. And he might have known that the Giants were going to take the Bears' offer once he traded the Eagles for Devontae Smith because the Giants, or excuse me, the Bears were trying to trade with Jerry Jones, but he didn't want to go down that far. So he knew the moment he traded with the Eagles that the Bears would probably immediately trade up for the Giants. So it was bang, bang, boom. I see you, Jerry. Don't sleep on uh, the old oil man with the plan. I'm on the board at the Barracuda up in Reno, Tahoe. I'd like to get you invited as a VIP and get you in the Pro-Am. Glad this is this is you're making my world right here. <clears throat> uh, so it's not as sweet as the event. No, I I have a family friend who's played in the Barracuda several times. I'm gonna call this guy. I like where this guy is. Uh, Glenn is my type of guy. Invite me to play in uh, PGA. You know, it's a it's a lower end PGA event, but hey, you know, bakers can't be choosers. I'm just trying to get my foot in the door. Rogers going the 49ers. Time date stamp. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. I mean, I, at, the, at this point in time, you know, if I'm the Niners, it's crazy as it sounds because, listen, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest players of all time. 
Like, I'm just going all in with Trey Lance. He's 20 years old. You got him under contract. I mean, let's face it. Roger's a little bit of a drama queen. He's a lead player. But, like, I don't have it unless you take Trey Lance for Aaron Rodgers straight up, which they're not going to do. Like, I'm not giving you Trey Lance, George Kittle, and Nick Bosa. Because if I'm the Packers, like, Trey Lance for Aaron Rodgers ain't getting done. I, I, I need several players. I'm, not, I'm just not doing it. What I don't understand about Rodgers, why did he wait so long? Just to mess with the Packers? Why didn't he do this like in free agency? Is it just because his girlfriend, fiance, wife, whoever, she, you know, whatever they are officially the title is, wants him out in LA? Is it really just that simple? Which I understand. But I, I why, why did he wait? Like, I, I don't, just don't. I get if I'm a Packer fan, it's like, are, are we serious? Like, we screwed up drafting Jordan Love, Aaron. We pay you a lot. You win here. Your life's pretty good. No one messes with you here. You, you got a pretty good gig. I love your take on Mac Jones the Niners being a total smokescreen and find it shocking to hear cowards believe the rumor so adamantly. Although he agrees it's not a smart pick we're trading up for, curious to see what happens. Okay, these are before the draft. My take was simple. Like Colin, I talked to Daniel Jeremiah on the phone last week. Uh, everyone that I knew like that, they were adamant they were taking Mac Jones because there were a couple people pushing that narrative. The difference is, I eat, breathe, and sleep this team. I know this team like the back of my hand. I followed Kyle and John really closely. I know a couple people up top in that building. Now, I didn't, I'm not saying I knew who they were going to take. I just knew this simple fact. Since John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have showed up, they don't leak anything. If if there's any, you know, secret nature to what's going on. Like, when they traded for Trent, Trent Williams, it was obvious they were going to try to resign him. And like that, there was nothing to hide there. But in this situation, I was like, you know, I don't know that they would just be going around like a high school rumor and telling everyone. I got this situation a little red flagged. This does not add up for me. Never added up for me. It, it, it just didn't. Uh, and I was just, I never believed they were going to take Mac Jones. Now, I, I do believe they could have. <clears throat> I do believe that Kyle liked Mac Jones. But I, I give, however it played out, I give Kyle credit that under no circumstances he selected Michael McCorkle Jones. And I like Michael McCorkle Jones. I think Mac's a good player. Uh, like I said on the weekend pod, I, I think 15 is even high for him. Like, Mac Jones did not fall in this draft. You could argue he he was overdrafted still by the Patriots. To me, Mac Jones probably should go somewhere like 25 or after. That's still a little high. Like, I, second round. And th- there's nothing... I think that sounds, like, offensive. But great players go in the second round all the time. When I worked for the Eagles, our two best players, Deshaun Jackson and Shady McCoy, were second rounders. Like, there's, there's nothing wrong with going in the second round. I, I, I can list a litany of elite players in the history of the league that have been second-round players. There's not an unlimited amount of first-round picks. And not everyone is a first-round value. I heard the Panthers GM said it. John Schneider's been saying it for years. Most teams have 15 to 20 first-round grades on players. That means in a given draft of hundreds of hundreds of players, 15 to 20, probably on your typical team, have first-round grades. That is elite company. Mac Jones just was not an elite prospect. Really good player. Good prospect. Nothing about him was elite. Nothing. 
Not one thing. Especially that you can quantify. It's like, well, he had it. Well, you know, a lot of guys have it. Guys get drafted, a lot of fifth rounders get drafted that have it. So that ain't, that ain't enough. You know, it, it's just not. And I just I just knew the Niners aren't, they're not the talkative group. Like John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, I, I just, I had a hard time believing that they were just texting everyone their plans. It's clear it wasn't, that just wasn't true. wasn't the case. Trey Lance is now their quarterback. Until Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback, but I doubt that happens. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great week. See you Friday. Peace. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.